No, this yeah, is good. Making, We've already started. Making grunt noises is not uh, recommended. <laughs> um, it doesn't make for good podcasting. You know what I mean? Listeners don't like the grunt noises as much as, you know, descriptive flowing yeah. sentences. All right. Okay. Polo people, welcome to the Northside Polo Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin, here with my friends and my teammates, Alex. Hey, what's up? And Liam. Hello. Listeners, listeners, just listen, okay? We have an episode for you today. It's jam-packed, full of all kinds of exciting topics. Um, But before we get to any of that, I think it's really important that I ask both my friends here, how are you guys doing, you know, in Ontario, where we are in Northside's? We are no longer allowed to leave our homes except for essential trips. So I'm wondering how you guys do with all that. Uh, I guess I'll start with uh, who wants to start. Not Nothing me. has changed. <laughs> yeah, say what you want to say. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're not allowed to leave your home unless you need to leave your home. It's kind it, of funny. It was pretty funny watching the press release where Doug Ford was getting frustrated saying like, it's really simple. Just stay at home. And then people were like, okay, but what about this? And he's like, oh, then leave. And then what about this? Oh, leave. What about this? Leave. Do, do you see why people are confused? He's like, no, just it's simple. <laughs> it's uh, I don't know. It's confusing. It is a bit of a mess, <laughs> but honestly, like on the psyche, it, it has an impact, right? Like I feel like we've uh, reached a point in the pandemic where we've had to kind of backtrack to where we were in March and uh, it's scary. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm trying to do my best to stay busy and work from home and go for walks and stuff and ride <clears throat> swift often. What I guess I'm, uh, I'm, I don't have to work or I don't work from home. So I still have to go to work, uh, which is cool. I actually got a letter from my employer that says I have a, I have the, like, cause I, I assume she thought, um, they were going to be like in Quebec, it was going to be like police patrolling the streets being like, why are you leaving your house? And I had to present this letter. (laughs) That's literally just like a letter typed up in Microsoft word that says like, this person is an essential worker. Like that's all it really says. Doesn't have any like information or like who to call to prove that. (laughs) Yeah. So I think they'd look at this and be like, did you just make this yourself? Like what the hell? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that that pretty much summarizes, uh, our, our pandemic response. I, my situation is like quite complicated and I think it gets deep into the political woods, uh, trying to diffuse like what the correct thing to do is. And my day to day, I just, I just try not to leave the house. Like anything, anything I would leave the house for is essential, you know? So I'm just sticking to that and like pickup. <laughs> I wish <laughs> I, you know what, if there was pickup happening in Toronto, I would be in a much, I would be placed into a, a, difficult situation because there would be something I would want to do that probably isn't essential. And that would, that would be a much more morally confusing. Like it, it would be a decision I would have to make. I probably wouldn't go. I would make the right decision, but yeah. Um, sure similar to the spring, but it's easy because there's nothing happening right now. <laughs> it's true. There's yeah. nothing much you could do. So why would you bother leaving the house? Yeah. All right. Well, let's move forward. Alex, you prepared a pretty cool activity for us this week. So why don't you uh, share what you did? It's a nice icebreaker. Okay, so we have uh, one of one of my favorite podcasts does uh, this thing where they basically read out situations 
Um, and then they decide whether or not it's uh, good or bad, smart or dirty. Um, there, there's lots of different ways you can call it. I think we're going to call it smart or dirty. Uh, and basically, I'll, de- I'll describe a situation and you guys can say whether or not you think that's a smart thing to do or it's a dirty thing to do. Uh, ultimately, you have to pick one. But you can you can elaborate if you think no fence sitting I'm no fence sitting fence yeah. sitting altogether. If, if you fen- if you sit on the fence, I get to choose what your answer is. That's okay. Sounds that's what good. It comes to. <laughs> Wait, we're talking about polo, right? These are polo situations. These, these are all <laughs> going to oh, okay. be related <laughs> to polo. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> the, I thought this could... was for our other podcast. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So first off, you're about to dab in a corner, so you grab the boards to keep yourself up. Smart or dirty? Smart. That's smart. Yeah, that's totally <laughs> smart. Like, I don't even think that's against the rules, right? You can grab the boards if you're about to fall over. People do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Wasn't you see that rule it all the changed time. a couple of years back. So you were allowed to, to even touch the horizontal surface of the top of the boards. Yeah. Yeah. So it, you can't hold on to the net to keep yourself up. That's still a dab. Yeah. Like, if the goaltender does that, they're down. But the rule was changed um, a couple years ago that you can hold onto the board. So I think I think that's smart. I think that you know what it's allowed now. You're allowed to keep yourself up. It's uh, it always feels pretty cool when you're holding yourself up and staying in play, and you're not holding onto your handlebars, but you're like holding yeah. yourself up somewhere else. It's uh, yeah, yeah. It's pretty. It's an edge situation, but it's pretty. Uh, now, what if it was the net? Pretty cool. Yeah, if it's the net, I think that's just cheating. Yeah, dirty <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay, you're on a team with someone notorious for not passing, so you don't pass to them for the whole game to teach them a lesson. Smart or dirty? I want to hear Gavin's first. That's a tough (laughs) question. I think it's dirty. You know what I mean? Um, Just because I'm of the approach that you should be an adult and talk to the person about being unhappy with their lack of passing and maybe try to understand why they're not passing as much as they could have a really good reason. So have a conversation like an adult and don't just say, okay, well, I'm going to be spiteful and just not pass to them now because they're not passing to me. I think that's like takes away from your team chemistry instead of what could be an opportunity to actually improve your team chemistry. So I'm going to say dirty. Cause Gavin wants to get passed too. Yeah. You think oh, you can, no. You think that behavior is acceptable? You're going to condone that? Guys, one of these days I'm going to track my passing through a tournament. I have a volunteer <laughs> write down every time I pass and every time my teammates pass. And we're going to see, is there a statistical significance to how few times I pass? Because I'm telling you guys, I pass more than most people. Okay. Just I know. We're just joshing. We're just gavening. Well, you're getting me angry. <laughs> that was. Yeah. This is a hypothetical. This has nothing to do with Gavin. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'd agree okay. with Gavin, though. Oh, yeah. So Liam, you uh, you think it's it's dirty to not well, it's just not pass to them. It's just dumb. I don't know. I think it's yeah, perfectly it's, it's, within it's, the rules. It solves nothing. <laughs> you're just gonna you're gonna make your lives as a team worse. Okay, here's another strictly hypothetical. You want <laughs> you uh, you want to qualify for NAs, so you get three vets from the winning three person tournament that your club just held to join your squad as subs. That's fine. That sounds like a sounds like something you guys have experience with. <laughs> That's dirty. <laughs> That's dirty. Gavin would have no part in that. And you want to go to NAs? You should bring a team with you that also wants to go to NAs. 
And I just think that's the correct, right thing to do because you get into so many ethical arguments around like, oh, only one person from the team that won is actually still on the team qualifying for NAs and they just recruited their friends to play with them. And it happens every year in our region. But um, I would really love it if a team decided they want to go to NAs, so they teamed up and then they went, and even if they were the best team by a lot, that's fine. But they actually went to the tournament as a team that they played the regional qualifiers team for. So you think it's dirty? I think it's dirty. You would have no part in a team that did that. (laughs) Well, if I recall in the non-hypothetical version of this team, I was not a member of that team until I was asked to be recruited to it later on. Until that team went to NAs and went zero seven. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No fault of mine for the record either. I want to point Uh, Liam, what do you think of this entirely hypothetical? Sorry, situation? I think I misunderstood the question. So it was if you had, uh... if if you want to qualify for NAs, so you get three vets that won the last local tournament to join your team as subs. As subs. They have no, they have no uh, intention of going to NAs yeah, with you. They have no intention. Oh, so it's just to uh, just to get you there. What would you call yeah. that? Like carry. Yeah, Sports carry talk. carry, carry. The spike, spike the qualifier, carry you through. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's. Uh, I know you said no fence sitting, but if you want to get, uh, so you think it's fine? Tournament. Well, it should be people that want to actually go. So it's smart or dirty? That's the segment. Is it, is this a smart Classic thing to do, or is this a dirty thing to do? Here. I will Classic. say it's smart just because of the way it's set up. Because you don't have to have like the people that qualify don't actually have to go. You can, you can change the team pretty much. Right. As far as I know. Okay. Yeah. I think mean, some rules. I mean, I think, you're yeah. allowed to, you're allowed yeah. to, it's just a question of whether or not it's smart or dirty. Yeah. Well, I think it's, yeah. Okay. For the record, I would never partake in this. Oh, okay. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on. You lost a ball last time your club played pickup at the end of the night. This time, you take the ball from the court without asking whose ball it is smart or dirty. That's I mean, dirty, that, man. That's happened to me a lot. That is by absolutely other, by other people <laughs> that, that you've taken the ball or that other people have taken your ball. Oh, other people take mine all the time. Even yeah, with my name. I know, but just because something bad happens to you doesn't mean you get to do something bad to someone else. That's not <laughs> the way the world works. Like if you get robbed at gunpoint, you just go, okay, well now I have like a coupon to go rob someone else at gunpoint <laughs> and that's totally fine. That's well, just that's not the way difference. things work. Just because something bad happens to you doesn't mean you get to pass that on to someone else. I agree. It's dirty. Yeah. I, I, I think that's pretty, I'm, I'm on the same page. If you need a ball, talk to people in your club. I've, I've, I've had that where I I'm chronically running out of balls because I compulsively take big rips when I practice solo polo and just break all the balls. Uh, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't confess that to, to people in my club that often, but I do, uh, you know, if we're at the end of the night and I don't have a ball and I'm kind of hoping to do some solo polo, I'll usually just ask someone if I can, if I can get a ball and yeah, fair I, enough. you know, usually people will exactly. Yeah. Mo- most of the time, at least in our club, like I, I'm definitely, I've definitely borrowed more balls that way than I've lent balls out, but I always ask first. And that's why Toronto has no balls left because Alex <laughs> when borrows the ball and breaks them off. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> not that is that, that is, that is not smart, but it's also, uh, as long as you ask first, it's not dirty. No, I agree. Okay. Uh, you see someone watching you play pickup. 
So you bust out the sickest move you can to try and impress them. Smart or dirty? Smart. Every every time smart. Every time. Even if you screw up, still smart. Still smart <laughs> for trying. You wipe out. Do that wheelie turn, land on your ass. Smart. Basically, anytime any new spectator comes by, I'm trying to do something really fancy immediately. <laughs> Even if it's the finals of a tournament, I don't care. Just some scoops. <laughs> You'll, you'll lose the game as long as you look cool doing it, right? Well, that's the whole point of playing polo is to look cool while doing it. All right. <laughs> um, okay, you order a meat lover's pizza to the court so you don't have to share with all the vegans. Oh, Smart or dirty. Oh, dude. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this might be the most controversial take yet. It depends. Do you like meat lover's pizza or is that not your top choice? Like, in, you in, order- in, this, in this situation, you are not a vegetarian or a vegan. I think that that would be just very foolish to do there's a problem with the question right because vegans don't eat pizza because it has cheese on it so you're not actually taking away from any of them their enjoyment by ordering meat lovers because the cheese eliminates them automatically but i guess the spirit of the question could be maintained if you said um so you don't have to share with all the vegetarians at the court right Mm -hmm. okay so we'll switch to that I think it's dirty. If that's not like your favorite pizza and you're just ordering that so you don't have to share, that's pretty dirty. But who's throwing down for said pie if it's, uh, you know, if it's a communal pizza? Right. Everyone should get something they'll eat. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm in the situation, I'm picturing like, I want a pizza, so I ordered one to the park and I'm paying for it in, in its entirety. But I want to yeah. make sure I get and this is hypothetical i've never done this i just want to clarify i i I have definitely i've never done this i would order i would order a pizza that as many people could enjoy if possible if i were i've actually never ordered pizza to the polo court that's something i should change when we start bucket list bucket list bucket list yeah actually i saw something on instagram a while ago it was like um one of the american polo clubs i think it was austin bike polo they like order a pizza to the polo court and then they got the pizza delivery person to try polo. So they have a video of this person in Domino's outfit. <laughs> that is a recruiting strategy. Yeah, it was pretty cool. New new goals for 2021. Every That's time, smart. Every time we go to polo, you have to order like Fudora to the court and hope that they deliver on bike and then get the bike <laughs> delivery person to play a game. <laughs> Dude, you're not actually that far off. That actually comes up in the interview we're about to do. Yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> Fudora. There we go. Future. Yeah. Rest in okay, can we, uh, Should we move it along to the? Okay, I we got we got two more here. Oh my gosh! Okay, okay. Pick the best one. Give me okay. the best one. Okay, your club has low numbers, so you throw a mallet in a garbage can. Smarter or smart or dirty? <laughs> uh, smart if you know who's gonna pick it up. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, yeah, plant. I think it's not smart and it's not dirty. Like chances that ends up in someone's hands and chances that that person then recruits like four other people, very low. Slim to I would none. Say it's, what do you mean? Happened yeah. every time. <laughs> it has worked in the past though. <laughs> okay. And the last one, you play on 27.5 so you can give 26 and 700 players shit. Smart or dirty? Smart. Definitely smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No doubt about Be it. your own person. <laughs> Don't conform. Let's move this along here. The reason why everyone's listening to the episode is they want to get to our interview. And we have a really good guest on the episode today. Um, It is Brett from Montreal. He's a notable member of the club, really done a lot to recruit players there. And they've had an explosion the past two years. And we just want to know how he did it and how the club did it, right? He's not going to take all the credit. He's also a, 
a big name in the messenger scene and quite the artiste. During the episode, he plugs some of his uh, Instagrams and different websites. So go check out his art, support him. But uh, before you do that, listen to his interview. Here we go. Hey, Brett, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. I was told to start this interview off with a very important question. And um, I actually had a number of people ask me to get clarification around this for them. How many times exactly have you retired from being a bike messenger? Oh, God. (laughs) 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 Who sent you that question? Uh, And reveal our source. Oh, now I can. Um, well, yeah, I've been doing it for seven years and I think every year I've said like, oh, I'm done. I'm doing something else. And then it just, I always end up back on the road because I can't find any other work. That has a resemblance to like people that go tree planting that I know they're like every summer, they're like, I'm never doing that again. It was fucking bullshit. And then they're doing it again. Yeah, it's, uh, it's exactly that. I <laughs> done both, Can you explain actually. to us what's like the good part of messaging that brings you back and what is the awful parts that like take you away because neither Liam nor I are messengers but we'd love to get that insight uh well obviously the best bit is just riding your bike every day and your boss is just a voice on the phone telling you go pick this up go drop that off and you never really see them in person and like in between those pickups and drops, you can kind of do whatever the hell you want and it doesn't matter. And no one can, no one's breathing down your neck or anything like that. You also, just cause you're in such a small proximity, you just always see all your friends out on the road. And if you have nothing to do, chances are one of them is sitting on a park bench somewhere and you can just go chill with them until you find some more jobs to do. Hmm. But like uh, definitely the worst part is being outdoors in the winter for eight hours a day and not getting paid for it and having no benefits, no vacation, no sick leave, none of that stuff. So that's why I keep trying to get out, but then I uh, can't find anything else. And keep pointing back in. Interesting. I mean, it sounds pretty awesome when it's warm outside and you're feeling good, but uh, I can see why those winter months would be challenging, especially in a place like Montreal where it's like really cold and really snowy a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And especially like right now during the lockdown where if you're not like doing a delivery in a building, security will not let you hang out inside. So even if it's like minus 20 and your dispatcher is like, Hey, hang out for half an hour. This thing's not going to be ready until then. You're kind of like, God damn, like what am I supposed to do? Normally we would just go to a coffee shop or like hang out in the lobby. And now we're just like, all right, I'm going to, ride around the block for half an hour because I can't sit still. Yeah, that would suck. There's no doubt about it. Um, I'd love to talk about a bunch about messenger culture and mess stuff because I think, you know, there's obviously a lot of overlap between bike polo community and the messenger community, especially in Montreal. It seems Ottawa too, for some as well. Um, but uh, we're here to talk about bike polo. So just to get you introduced to the listeners who, you know, we have listeners from all over the world. How did you get into bike polo and what's been your journey? Well, it goes <laughs> right back into the messenger thing. Cool. No, uh, bring it back there. That's fine. <laughs> the two are inseparable. I was going to say those little, those standby times, that's where polo, uh, I mean, most people listening to this podcast probably know that, but that's where polo was born was in, in between those standby times 
when you had nothing else to do and you were just sitting mm-hmm. around you're like hey let's hit a ball around with a stick and they're like well maybe not so much oh, sounds good because you're not going to carry a mallet and ball with you at work oh no uh the dedicated <laughs> well it began team. with uh well yeah <laughs> no i think it was just like after work um especially in the summer everyone like after a hard day just really loves to go to the park and have a beer and absolutely i think polo kind of was born out of that just like rather than just sitting around it was like hey like let's just do this weird thing um what was the question all oh, right my start um polo born for you so i started working in vancouver when i just finished my undergrad and so i worked for about two years there and ironically never played polo while i was there which is probably the best place in the country to play polo because it just doesn't snow there and they have a dedicated court and a huge club and you can play year round. So it's like pretty weird that I never played there. But when I got to Montreal, I didn't really know anyone and none of the messengers played, played polo. And I couldn't really like connect with them at first because they're all Francophone and I knew no French. And so I just started playing. I messaged the local polo club just to be like, Hey, like what do I need just to try and meet some like other bike people and make some friends and uh I think that was in 2015 and I've just been playing ever since that's awesome that's awesome so we kind of had you on to talk a bit about Montreal and like what makes Montreal special and what have been the ups and downs in your you know it seems like six years since you've been there um I kind of figured out where to start on this but uh what's the outlook of Montreal Polo like right now I guess we can start now and work our way back well Right now it's great. And uh, you guys have brought it up. Like, I think every single episode you brought up how great Montreal Polo is. <laughs> it's amazing. We love <laughs> big fans. And yeah, uh, it hasn't always been great. Uh, when I showed up, it was fine. You know, we had maybe 12 or 15 people that would show up regularly. Um, I first met like uh, Rebecca and Jesse and Johnny. I think you guys might know them. Yeah, know them for sure. Yeah, so they were they were playing polo when I first showed up, and I instantly made friends with them. Uh, but then, of course, Jesse and Rebecca moved away to their farm, and because they left, basically all of their friends stopped showing up. And then we had a bunch of people move away or have babies, or it, people just lost interest because it got so slow. So it was like one really, really good year. We even had the North Size tournament, or it was the qualifiers. And then the year after that, it just like completely fell off. Mm. Okay. So what changed? Cause obviously it's not <laughs> falling off right now. I mean, I was there last year before the pandemic and it was awesome. So like what happened? Because it, you have like the most vibrant club in our region. Now, it seems like. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was like probably the worst club in the region. I think we had like no real dedicated players. It kept being that thing, you know, where like you're on the message group. And everyone's like, oh, do we have six tonight? Do we have six? I'll only come if we have six. But you have like 10 people all saying that, <laughs> you know? I hate that. That's such cancer. <laughs> That's in every club and it is just the worst. And it's just like if everyone just committed and was like, I'm coming to Polo no matter what, you would have six. But because everyone's like arguing about six, it just never happens. Um, hmm. But what did happen was... Um, a bunch of French dudes just showed up in 2018 and just like kind of saw the sad state of the club and just took over and started organizing. 
So we had uh, Will and Matthew and Flav and Felix. And then we also had Ziggy come over from Vancouver and Julia came back from Victoria. And then the next summer we did Poutine the Net, which was like a huge success. And when you say French, you mean like French like, from France, right? Yeah, yeah, like I guess Quebec that's like a distinction. French? Yeah. Okay, okay. Cool. Yeah, so they came in and that kind of put new blood into the club. And then you put on Poutine the Net, which is a huge success. Like I was there and I got to say, um, one of the coolest, most well-run tournaments that I was at that whole year with just the interesting kind of like catered food from local spots. Um, just the overall vibe of the tournament. I thought it was really fun. And honestly, Montreal is such a great city when you're not playing polo to visit that uh, it just makes the whole nightlife and just things around the tournament that much better, I found. Um, yeah. Who, what do you credit with that success, right? Because you guys went from not having a tournament for like two or three years. The one you had before that was the Northside Polo Invitational. And that was like my first ever tournament. And then <laughs> last year, Poutine the Net. So like, what do you credit with that, being able to host such a big tournament like that with a club that's not that experienced hosting tournaments? I think it was just like pure luck that just these dudes just showed up and we're just like, all right, we're taking over. Like, <laughs> you guys yeah. need serious help. And like we, not that we didn't try to recruit people, but like, it's just seemed like nothing would work. Like, um, you know, putting flyers up in bike shops and stuff doesn't do anything. Like when was the last time you saw a flyer on a pole and actually went to an event because of it? Mm. I recall um, someone saying like, uh, you would put the polo court as, as a stop for alley cats. Oh yeah. That was and, the thing and, I wanted to but, talk about. But, uh, <laughs> but you only ever got one, one new member from join, joining from that. Yeah. That's how we got Lynn, which is great. Cause Lynn is the best. Yeah. But, um, that's worth like six members in my mind. That's so <laughs> a whole, that's a whole night. No, the thing was, um, yeah. I've tried so many things like um, making the polo court a stop during an alley cat. It sounds good in theory, but when you think about it, it's actually like the worst thing you could do. <laughs> why is that it seems like such a good idea okay so you have like these these kids on like their breakless fixies and they're showing up and they're like super dehydrated and super stressed and just like pumped full of adrenaline and they've got maybe like a 10 minute lead back then you hand them a mallet and you go okay put that ball in the net and it takes them 15 minutes to do it. And the whole pack passes them. Like that's not going to recruit that guy. He's going to hate polo for the rest of his life because of that. Oh, shoot. So I did that three <laughs> or four times and just realized like it made everyone hate polo so much more because it was such a high stress situation where they had to try it out for the first time. And then like, of mm -hmm. course it was never good. Um, but what I discovered was if you make the finish line, the polo court, you kind of got to trick people into coming. So if the finish line is the polo court, then they're going to stay and hang out. Mm -hmm. mm, I like I that. I like that. Because then you get to party <laughs> at the court a little bit, maybe watch some games going on, try it out, a beginner game. That's yeah, a good you're idea. You're already actually. here. Take a break, have some water. Then maybe hop in there and like push a ball around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Take notes on that, Liam. We'll use that. We'll use that. Yeah. Um, this is actually just recon for uh, Ottawa. It is completely that, but you know what? It's also good for all the other listeners because 
even during the pandemic this summer, you guys had a huge explosion in numbers, right? What happened? I think it was mainly like all my messenger friends who had always tried so hard to get to come to Polo finally just had nothing else to do. Because mm. usually when you're working eight hours a day, you don't want to ride all the way home, eat something, trade bikes, and then ride all the way back downtown to ride your bike for another three or four hours. So usually people would just like go to the park, have a beer and go home. And I think because of the pandemic, no one was working. So no one was like super tired, but still wanted to go hang around outside. The polo court for some reason just became that place. And like, we'd have a huge crowd of people just sitting around watching. They weren't playing necessarily, but like eventually people really started wanting to play. I guess that's what happened in a nutshell. It's, it was like really bizarre to me. Okay. So you got to make Polo the hangout spot. That's the best way to recruit people. Do you have any other strategies that you use to recruit people that were somewhat successful or is that the big one? Just having like that become the bike messenger hangout spot. We, well, in 2017, we had the, uh, the messenger world champions came here. Yeah. And so, uh, Jermaine came up with like this really, really great, really cheap temporary court that we built, I think for like under 500 bucks, it was only a few sheets of plywood. Um, so we like, this was when things were really dire and we built this court at the Olympic stadium, trying to get people to play. But of course that also didn't work because there's so many more interesting things going on. Cause there was like, you know, 500 messengers from all over the world competing in this huge race. And we were just off to the side, like pushing the ball around. <laughs> It wasn't exactly like the greatest thing happening. Mm, that makes sense. Um, Didn't really have a captive audience there. Eh? They were probably busy trying to win a race, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, other things that have worked is like part swaps and barbecues. Oh, so, okay. that's a good idea. So like every spring, usually there's like a big part swap here where people will meet up just like with random junk in their parts bin and try and find people that want it and just sell it for a few bucks. And so it got canceled this year, obviously, but it's a good idea to just like do that at the court. Um, I always like to trick people into coming to polo. I think that's the only thing that works is like get them in for something else, but have it happen at the polo court and then they'll just see it and maybe be interested and maybe try it. Okay, so what are the lies you tell people? I'm very interested in these um, <laughs> deceits. Because I'm going to uh, use it too. I'm going to try. Well, it's usually just like this alley cat will not go to the polo court, which is always a lie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, You're never like, hey, girl, let's go on a date. And then just like, oh, the spot's just around the corner up here. And then it's the polo court. <laughs> Does that never? No, that's never happened. Okay, 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 okay. That's that would be that would be a bad move. I think that's not <laughs> honest, and you probably shouldn't be doing that. Out but you know, like maybe people. Maybe no, if you have friends. Things I've done is like saying, um, if someone like owes me money or something, or they're like, "Oh, can I pick up this thing from you?" I'll be like, "Yeah, pick it up here," <laughs> and it'll be at the polo court, and I'll be like, "I'm only available uh... Wednesday from six till 10 come pick it up at that time. 
I like that. I like that. That's a good one too. Have you ever been like, Hey, like friends are like, Hey, you want to hang out? You're like, yeah, come down with a pole core. Let's just have a couple beers and chill out there and just like have them come by. I feel like that would be good too. I mean, that's the thing too, is like, I feel like for everyone at some point, it's someone's put it in their head that polo is dumb. You know, like um, if you were to invite someone to play like, uh, like the first time I played Catan, someone explained it to me. I was like, sounds like that's for nerds, you know? Mm. Or like uh, Dungeons and Dragons or something. Like at some point, it got into everyone's heads that that's only for nerds and it's dumb and it's no fun. And I feel like polo is kind of the same thing. There was just like one person at some point was just like, oh, bike polo, that's so dumb. And it stuck with them forever. I think we got what we, sh- we should focus on is, is emphasizing less the game itself and more just the, the camaraderie and like mm-hmm. the, um, like, I don't know, you know, I see events for like things like, you know, those like tough mutter races and like those, um, those like extreme endurance races where it's like obstacle courses. Yeah. Always like, race I, and these things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, personally, yeah, I have the same reaction. I'm like, well, that's like dumb, but yeah. the people <laughs> love them because, and you know, to everyone that's done one of these races listening, I'm sorry, <laughs> but <laughs> what, what they capitalize on is like the camaraderie and the, you know, sort of this, the general spirit of all having done a similar thing. And like, I think that's what polo should really achieve for rather than being like, oh yeah, you can be really good at this game and you can be a world champion, which is, you know, very unlikely in this sport or any sport, but like you can have a good time. You might fall over on your bike a few times, but you know, we'll all be here to, to when you get back up and we'll encourage you along the way. I think that's what the selling point is. For sure. Yeah. When I think about bike pole and what it's done for my life in general, like it's allowed me to make friends in so many cities and meet so many interesting people from all different walks of life, um, in all different parts of the world, to be honest, that, uh, like, that's the huge thing I see is the community. Right. But it's so hard to get someone who's not a part of that to understand, you know, the fabric of this community and just the networking opportunities and the social connections. And it's almost like a, it's almost like a passport. Like, you, you travel to another part of the world or part of the country and you're like, Oh, I play polo. And then it's like, all right. Uh, you know, if you find the polo club, you've got, you know, lodging probably figured out, you've got <laughs> people to hang out with for however long you're going to be there. You've got, uh, you know, maybe free booze, who knows. Or guides Depending. for sure. Or yeah. You know, like it's, it's pretty much a great way to travel. If you're, you know, looking for a, common connector between peoples Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things we always try to do at the ottawa club is like just as what important as what's going on the court is as it's just as important as what's going off the court you know those things are equal and it's just so important to have such a good community and a good culture and vibe at that court and just with the people there that that's what pulls people in more than anything it's a place to belong and we have a lot of oddballs and interesting people that play polo and we're better off for that diversity and that quirkiness that we have, but it can be hard sometimes to balance those things and to come up with what vibe you want your club to have on which nights. Right. But how would you describe the vibe in Montreal? What's it like there? The polo vibe. Yeah. The polo vibe. 
What's the awkward that's, vibe? I think we're all weirdos. Like everyone is like, like no one's like a jock, you know? <laughs> mm. Like everyone's, um, I'd say about half the players work as like game designers for Ubisoft or are like indie game makers. So they're kind yeah. of like these quirky, nerdy computer guys. And then the other half, I mean, like as of the summer are messengers. So they're just a bunch of bike punks. It's pretty cool. And I'm sure like, I know a bunch of the players in Montreal and it's just like so much fun every time that they're around <laughs> because they're just so wild and silly and loud and, Honestly, I say it in a lot of episodes and I bring on Montreal, but they honestly party too hard. Those French guys that you're talking about <laughs> when they come to Ottawa, I can't keep up. Like We're a government town. You know what I mean? Unrealistic standard. And we can't uh, keep up with those Montrealers. That's for sure. Especially Ziggy. That guy parties. Oh yeah. Well, that's like his job sort of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Full time party. Well, he, uh, he, what is he? He's a party. Yeah. He he's, parties. He's a sculptor and a lot of the stuff he makes is like specifically for raves. So he'll build like these really, really intricate stage sets just for raves. And so he's going to like a different rave like every week. I don't know. He, he's just a wild guy like that. Yeah, that's true. It really spices up our tournaments when Montreal shows up. That's no doubt about it. Also the best oh. player on the worst bike somehow. Mm-hmm. oh right one yeah. i don't know how he does it it's crazy he's, he's just really got, like good. a regular road caliper and flat pedals and like bars that are probably like you know like you can barely fit his hands on the grips there's no space yeah i've played tournaments with ziggy before and against ziggy in big games and he's a hard player to shut down he has a way of making goals happen and mm-hmm. he's all about just going fast and putting things up to chance and taking wild shots, but it works for him. It's different than my style for sure. And we clash a bit when we play together because of that, but it, it works for him and he can generate offense in some pretty crazy and amazing ways. Um, one thing that you brought up uh, and that I saw on the Montreal kind of polo group is this award ceremony you guys had. What was that all about? So that was a thing um, that was introduced to me in Vancouver, my first year as a messenger, where they have this tradition. There's a Christmas party every year and they give out awards, but they're all just kind of a joke. And that year I won shittiest bike because I just had this like $200 Craigslist bike, nothing on it matched. I had like different colored bar tape, different colored tires. Like the thing was just a piece of garbage. And I won like this little bowling statue from the thrift store that was just painted over it, like shittiest bike. (laughs) 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 And it just really stuck with me. So I brought that to Polo two years ago. We did that. I just bought a bunch of crap from the thrift store and made a quick poll online to vote for things. So we had like uh, MVP for men and women, best heckling, shittiest bike, biggest rips, uh, best scooping, nicest player. And there's like a few more, I forget. 
they were hilarious. And the, the certificates that you gave out, like I got to see them because I was on the group and they were just so funny. I love the <laughs> quotes you picked out. We were talking about Liam, what was your favorite quote that was on there? Say that again. Uh, well, it was probably under um, Raph's award for best heckles. And the quote was most bad behavior comes from insecurity. <laughs> <laughs> seems fitting. Seems fitting. Not that Raph's insecure. I like that guy. No. <laughs> Well, yeah, Shut this year because uh, we couldn't do our little ceremony, I just had to like make certificates online that I could just give out because I couldn't give them a physical object, but it actually worked out so much better because I could just find like the ugliest certificates for like kindergarten graduation and just make them for polo awards. Well, wasn't there mm-hmm. trophies one year, like the year before? You did them the year before, right? Yeah, the year before it was just was crap trophies. from the thrift store. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I almost prefer value. the certificates. <laughs> they are, they are it's a awesome. nice. It's a nice way to end the season, you know, and it brings the club together and it builds that culture, that community that we were talking about before. So it seems like a great initiative. I think, I know in Ottawa, we did something similar this year, basically just copycatting Montreal. Um, like you inspired us to do that so and it was hilarious watching each week we posted them online each week the next award come out and um, I didn't win any but uh, it was still fun I'm wondering uh, so we're talking about this sort of culture and you know Montreal's had its ups and downs in terms as a club with with the pandemic and, and where it's at now what what do you think is in the cards for Montreal Polo in the future um it's hard to say we're last year we managed to find an indoor rink and we were going at least once a month to play this year obviously we can't do that so i think we're all just waiting for spring and i think we're all just really hoping that the summer will be somewhat similar with regulations and that like we can actually go outside and you know be in groups of more than five um I think the dream would be to do another tournament, but maybe just Canadians only, probably because the border's still going to be closed, but maybe do Poutine the Net too. Mm-hmm. It would be cool because I missed the first one. Yeah. Really <laughs> I have phone calls to this the... day. <laughs> I almost long missed as... the first one. I That was the most hungover I've ever been in my entire <laughs> life. Yeah, but at least that's a good reason. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good reason to miss a tournament. As yeah. long as the poutine is hot, I'll be there. There's no doubt about it. it it's so much fun. I'll go to any tournament in Montreal. Um, and hopefully we'll get to run them, right? I, it seems promising. I mean, the numbers are terrible right now in Quebec and Ontario. Mm-hmm. But uh, it seems like the governments are taking this really serious now. And maybe things will turn around or medical breakthroughs or vaccines will get rolled out. And we might be able to salvage our summer. Fingers crossed, eh? Yeah, I think we're all really hoping for like late summer things will chill out and we can maybe like just even just get Toronto and Ottawa people and Kitchener over here. Like, yeah, that's kind of what my hopes are for the summer too is just like, let's get our local tournament circuit back. You know, Ottawa will host probably if we're allowed to two tournaments. <laughs> Toronto hopefully will host one, Kitchener host one, you host one. And then we got, you know, five tournaments in region over the summer. That's like one a month, which is, I think, ideal. You know what I mean? That'd be great. Mm-hmm. We just have to convince Toronto and Kitchener that they have to hold up their end of the bargain on that for sure. And hopefully they're in a position to be able to do that with uh, the COVID-19 and stuff. COVID-19. Let's hope. 
One thing, um, Brett, is that you sent us an email a few weeks back um, uh -oh. and you talked about some bike parts in particular, um, pedals. And, you know, when we read the email on the air, Alex and I kind of, we stood up for time pedals because they're the best pedal. But uh, I'm just wondering if you want to, since you have the floor now, say your piece on the time pedal debate so that everyone can hear your side <laughs> of the story. <laughs> okay. So this comes again from like the messenger world where everyone, it's like such huge gatekeepers in, when it comes to like bike parts or anything. And I remember one of the first races I went to in Montreal when I first moved here, this guy just came up to me, looked at, looked my bike up and down and, you know, just gave me like a, you should have times, you know, because <laughs> I had SPDs on it. And I was just like, all right, dude. And then the funny thing was this kid, apparently it was like his first month on the road. Like he had just started the job and was already talking down people being like, you stupid rookie. You, you don't even know what pedals are good. Oh my gosh. And then he, <laughs> And they ended up not even finishing the race. And then I think by the end of the summer, uh, we call them butterflies. Like by the end of the summer, he just left because he couldn't handle the cold. <laughs> mm. And it's just like, all right, like maybe, you know, if, if you rode your bike as fast as you run your mouth, I would give a shit, but I'm fine with my pedals. I like, wow. I really don't care. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a a pretty toxic uh, look to have um just going up to people you don't know and making fun of their spds seems a bit far like, mean, would you go up to someone with their commuter bike that has like 105 a 105 drivetrain and go like you should have dura ace i run 105 <laughs> on my carbon road bike so it's like okay of course i know it's better but i really don't give a shit i can't afford it and it's fine yeah 105 works perfectly fine. I run that on my carbon road bike and I have no issues. It shifts gears just fine. A little heavier, yeah. a little flimsier, but solid drive. Um, yeah. I like, mean, I'm not going to deny that they're better. It's just like, I don't know how it's become such a cult thing and why pe time people have to look down so much on SPDs. Like, like my pedals are made of literal dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not about, saying your pedals um, like, they work. They still I'm not saying work. <laughs> but they're not made of dog shit. They work fine. That you can put force through them. You can clip. You're going to unclip use them. a lot. But time pedals, I don't know if you ever had any. But that first them. clip in, and when you try to take your foot out of it and it just stays in there, it feels great. It's just so secure and consistent. That's so it feels great as you tip over and fall into the asphalt. You get used to it, but that will happen a couple of <laughs> times. The other thing too is like the practicality, like as a messenger, you're walking around so much and in bike shoes, you're just going to wear out your cleats. Mm. And I don't think there's a single bike shop in the province that sells time cleats. Uh, just going to wear out. You would have been right on that, but this past summer, a major bike distributor, um, quality bike parts, mm -hmm. they picked up time. So it's available in like most bike stores in Ottawa, at least. No, I haven't seen any here. Mm. But it's like my pedals, like my cleats are going to wear out like once a season. Yeah. So I got to replace them all the time. I don't want to order them online. Yeah. And time cleats wear out quickly too. Yeah. Um, and they are more expensive. I think as a messenger, like it, 
like you're mostly just pedaling. You're not twisting and like flicking your rear wheel around that often. I don't see why it would make a huge difference. Well, that's the thing um, too, is like we're riding five minutes at a time, going like a few yeah. blocks to drop something off and then walking and going up an elevator. Like I don't get these people that are so obsessed with performance. Yeah, I don't see performance in the messenger community, but I'm not a messenger, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't hold that opinion to myself. You know what I mean? I think I said After it. Polo. I think I said it when you wrote that email. I, I agree with you, Brett, hundred percent. I'm. It's almost a point of me now. I'm not going to get them because so many people have been complaining to me about getting times. Now I'm just being stubborn, <laughs> and I'm sticking with <laughs> They're SPDs. They're not complaints. It's advice, free advice. Yeah, it's unsolicited advice. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's the worst kind of advice. Uh, the other okay, part. But oh, what are you gonna say? Go for it. Go for it. Well, I was no, gonna no, say the other the other part of this equation is the Thompson seat post. Oh God. I mean, let's be real. Um, and you know that one actually, I I I had a Thompson seat post that like Matt Peters my left for me, but it was actually for Raf in Montreal, and then I was like. Uh, I was holding, I was holding onto it for him and I was like, well, I'll just try it out, you know? And then I was kind of like, Oh, this is actually pretty nice, but mostly How because it was a, be nice. <laughs> I don't know. Mostly <laughs> because it had the two bolt, right? It's like two bolts instead of the one bolt that I was using. Cause it was flipping around all over the place. Yeah. Liam had this problem where he was using a one bolt seat post and it kept loosening during games and his seat would be like backwards yeah, yeah, by the time we were five minutes into the game because he was maneuver. torquing his seat. <laughs> but the two bolts on the time on the Thompson really helped him. But you're right, Brett. And I think Liam, that you can get two bolt seat posts um, in a lot of different brands and they all work just fine. I just don't get the cult behind that either. <laughs> yeah. I've seen so many people with like crappy, like pure fix bikes where the whole thing maybe together costs 300 bucks. And then they put that $300 seat post on it. The best part of that seat post is how it came with its own canvas bag to be stored in. Bag is nice. The bag and is I was nice. like, whoa. Like, this is... yeah, but it doesn't fit over your seat. So once it's on your well, bike, no. the bag is just like superfluous. You know what I mean? I know. It's just for, well, that's what you put your like jewels in or whatever. Not the, not the light, not the vapes, like your prized possessions. I guess. <laughs> or your jewels. I don't like, care. Especially the ones that don't bend. Like what's <laughs> like what's the point? Like a laid back move. versus straight. Yeah. It's not made of carbon or anything super lightweight. Like it's just a piece of aluminum that doesn't move. Like I I still don't get the cult behind this. I mean, that's a lot of the bike like um I don't know. Maybe that's sort of the the road the road cycling influence leaking into polo a bit, which you know, everybody wants good equipment and solid equipment and stuff. Part of me is a bit sad, not sad, but I'm like, oh, I kind of like the sort of janky, rugged look of some polo bikes, you know, using like, like one guy in our club, Jeff, I don't know if you've met him. He rides like this, you know, old beater bike with like chopped off handlebars and tubeless tires. And he rides like no single speed. Like he rides with the derailleur and everything, just like short and chain. And uh, he's like super good and really fun to play with and just like cool to watch when you're playing polo. Um, and like, he doesn't give a shit about any of the newest parts or newest frames and all that stuff. And yeah. I kind of I'm like, Oh, that's refreshing, you know? Um, but then I find myself also being like, Oh, I want, you know, 
this part because it's going to make me, you know, it's only got this hub's got way more points of engagement and stuff like that. And I wonder if that's like the spirit a, of the game. There's a balancing point. There's definitely kind of like a commodity, like a commercialism to it. And yeah. in any game or sport where there's equipment, you know, there's gearheads who want the fanciest gear just because they want it. They collect it. They spend time, you know, they have the money to spend on it, but the performance aspects, especially of parts that, don't have any bearings in them, don't move like a seat post or a stem or even a handlebar. Like you're really just talking about stiffness and weight, right? Durability and weight. That's all there is. And the weight savings, especially in a game like polo and the performance aspects of saving those extra grams is pretty limited, especially at the level we're playing polo at as a community. Um, so I think a lot of it just has to do with like basically the sneaker effect. Like you just want the coolest Jordans, So you get the coolest Jordan parts on your bike and, um, you feel cool. And yeah, that's why my bike three. is fully Thompson Chris Kinged out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't throwing shade at you, Gavin. No, it's true. It's true. It's <laughs> way, I spent way too much money on my polo bike, but you know what? I like to look at it. It makes me happy. So we're good. Well, we're good with it. Brett, um, while we still got you on the line here, I'm just wondering because there's a lot of people that email us and chat with us about, you know, this question, how should I grow my club? Like, we're never getting six. We're getting down on ourselves. We're wondering if it's even worth it to go on. Do you have any advice coming from a club that was on the brink of, you know, not being a club to coming back and being so strong? What advice would you give to those clubs that are struggling right now? I'd say if you're having that discussion where you're like, Oh, I'll only come if there's six, just don't do that. Just go. <laughs> um, don't, try and get six, just show up, especially if people know about the club and know that you play on certain days and then show up and want to try it, but no one's there. That's happened a few times to us. Mm. Like, just don't even let that happen. Like just be committed, just go no matter what, if no one shows up, then just play some solo polo or just like do some drills with two or three other people that show up. Um, I'd say recruit groups, not people not individuals. Uh, it's always been big groups of people that have revived the club and not individuals. Um, and then I'd say one of the big things that happened since Julia showed up here was like really, really focus on like your non-cis dude nights, like your what WTF nights. Um, Cause I think that's the most important to grow in your club. You we need those people to show up and they need like a safe space to practice. They don't want to show up on a night when people are doing huge, huge rips and scaring the shit out of everyone. Like we had one night where uh, this was at the other court in Point St. Charles where it was a WTF night. And I just showed up to lend my bike to other people because not a lot of people had their own equipment and things were getting quiet. And I was just banging around a ball by myself while people were just hanging out on the sides and wasn't like going crazy or anything, just like shooting the ball against the boards. And I had one of my friends come up to me and being, and she was like, Brett, this is exactly why I have never come on the regular nights because you were scaring the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. Cool. Those are three great tips to leave people with. I think um, just to recap the First one was, 
just show up, you know, being there is the most important thing, being committed. Second one was uh, recruit groups. And I couldn't agree more with you. Every time we've had a kind of a revival recruited, it's always been like groups of friends or a club that's joined us or um, a staff team or something like that. And then the third one being focus on diversifying your player base and making sure you're making inclusive and safe spaces for people of all kinds to come out and enjoy this. Now, you kind of have to have a certain amount of leadership from that uh, minority group, whether that's female players or um, BIPOC players or whatever it is to kind of take the reins. Cause I always find like, I don't want to be that cis white male that's saying, okay, we're going to have a women's night this night. If none of the women are wanting that, you know what I mean? It has to come mm-hmm. from them. I feel like I need to have that leadership, but uh, I think it's so important. I agree with you more uh, so much on all those points. I think those are three great ones to give people. Oh, and trick people. Oh yes. Right. Yeah. Lying. You have to fool them. Yes. Lying and sneaking. Of course. Um, I just, before we finish up, I just wondered, do you have any more things you want to plug any stories you want to tell, or you want the polar world to know about? Cause this is your chance. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> I know I had such like, I put you on the spot, but, uh, uh they come with some stories, some stories. Or just like things you want to talk about or gripes you have or conversations you want to start in the community because uh, or plug your Instagrams. Your yeah. Or your Instagrams. Yeah. Hmm. The only funny Take story I've got is like uh, Tim from the UK. He had a really sad story when he left the club, like sad, funny story. Uh, Tim broke his femur while playing, which really sucked. Dang. And then he had to move back to the UK. And I think like within six months or so, his house burned down. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so Tim, if you're listening, we miss you and sorry. Is he okay? Oh yeah, I'm sure he's fine. Okay. okay I hope so too. Um, if Tim, if you're out there, um, we all wish you the best and hope you have a great 2021. Sounds like you really deserve it. Um, more than us for sure. All right. Well, Liam, you have any more questions for Brett? I do actually. Um, okay, so go for it. another thing that I found out uh, about you is that you are a bit of an artiste and you do um, pictures of messenger bags. Oh, that That's was correct. like a, yeah, that was like an older project I did. Um, uh-huh. uh, so I'm a painter and one day I was just really fed up with what I was making in the studio. And so I had just gone off work and my work bag was sitting in the room next to me. So I just painted a picture of it just cause I had my stuff out. I was ready to work, but I was really upset with what I was working on. Mm-hmm. And I posted it online and then um, Andy from trash bags uh, out of Minneapolis saw it and he shared it. And then within a, Within a few hours, I had like hundreds of messages of other people being like, yo, paint my bag, paint my bag. <laughs> and so, so I just started doing them just for fun. Um, and then I ended up uh, getting invited at uh, the North American Championships in Philly in 2018. They had a little art show, so I brought them all with me. And then a bunch of the people that I painted were there. So I just gave them their paintings, which was nice. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, they're really well done. I mean, you're uh, you've you've got you're very talented as a painter, from what I can see here, and uh, I think it's a really cool thing to to paint because it's like 
you know, one of those things where it's sort of, uh, it's, it reminds me of like polo bikes, you know, that they kind of have distinct identities and different looks uh -huh. and they you can kind of sense the character um, within the, within the bag. So it's a, it's a really cool project. Yeah. And what was nice that came out of that was uh, the year after when uh, the North American championships were supposed to be in Indianapolis, but they got canceled. Mm -hmm. uh, I had like all these contacts from making those paintings and I just decided to do my own little tour of the States. So I ended up going to Boston, New York, DC, Philadelphia, and Chicago, all like meeting people through that and staying at their houses. And I like managed to follow them all around at work for a few days and like got a bunch of research to make other art projects with, which was really cool. Right on. That's awesome. Yeah. Is there a place that people can like see this, these paintings? Are there any po photographs or like a page somewhere where they can look them up? Uh, yeah, the, the messenger bag paintings, the Instagram is called mess bags collection. Okay. And then, um, for my like more personal art series, uh, you can just look up brettbarnby.com and it's not really bike related, but I have a, or messenger related, but I have one series of sculptures based on reception desks from all the office buildings I've visited that's like kind of come out of the job. That's cool too. Very cool. That's awesome. Okay, so can you just repeat those handles one last time for the listeners that I know are gonna go check them out? Uh, so it's Mess Bags Collection on Instagram and then uh, Brett Barnby. Okay, brettbarmy.com, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brett, for being on the episode today. I know that uh, myself and Liam and all of our listeners and Alex um, appreciate you spending your time and sharing some of these cool stories and insights coming to Montreal. Uh, we're both so excited to go play there again when we can. I'll be there. Yeah, I hope to yeah, see you guys sure. soon. All right. Well, thanks so much. Talk to you later. Oh, one thing we forgot to say about Brett is he's a messenger meme extraordinaire <laughs> under the uh, Shas underscore memes Instagram page. Oh, yeah. He There's often some good bike polo ones, too. He contributes a lot to the meme space of the Internet, and yeah. he's really good at it. So check that out as well. What's next, Liam? What do we got to do? Uh, well, we got to do the best part of the show. Mailbag. Nice. So, uh We've got an email from Justin, as you probably guessed. He writes, is calling a mechanical timeout to drink beer cheating? I like to tap the goalie's mallet while riding by to force a dab. Sorry, Dan. He was so mad. Ask Jizza if my bars are too wide. Three-quarter inch both sides, according to NAH. I'm all about 3v3. Even in squad turnings, my team seems to end up being only three players anyways. Best team name, War which stands for worth a rip. I like this stream of consciousness style that yeah. Justin's yeah, got just, going on. Every thought that comes <laughs> to his mind, he's just writing down and pressing send. Yeah. I agree that Not that goalie's mallet tap while riding by is tricky, but I, after like a year or two, I got used to it. To it depends. That one's really smart versus dirty. Depends on where you're playing in Ottawa. That is a smart play. That's very smart. Yeah. Tapping the goalie's mallet. We ride by that is something that we just continue doing even when it became illegal. And it's just part of the game. <laughs> but anywhere else totally dirty so i can see why dan was angry about it uh i i'm in favor of calling mechanicals to drink beer uh my favorite um 
actually this is going to be two answers in one uh my favorite team name came from the valley three tournament which was the call that kept getting made during that tournament was a timeout for dogs and chatter Mm. and it it was exactly what it sounded like the dogs would jump on the court run around people would chat you know that's great beer uh so i i think dogs and chatter is uh my favorite team name but i'm i'm all for taking him calling a mechanical timeout to uh have a swig yeah why not you're wasting your team's mechanical timeout though but you know what if the beer is that important for your performance you got to get those electrolytes in your system somehow <laughs> all right next email comes from jared from grand rapids uh he writes squad sucks i'm famous but honestly i'd agree that playing in that tournament with alex and justin resulted in a huge jump in my ability being on the court the entire time was a huge boost and that would only have happened because we were three people I love playing bike polo and hate to be hate having to be off the court if I'm in a tournament. So selfishly, I don't like having to sub out for extra players. I love the content and I'm only just getting through my second episode. So I do have a backlog to get through, but I'm so grateful y'all put this together. I would love to hear your take on bike control versus mallet related skills. And sorry, it, which if either can make the most difference, mm. it may not be an episode worthy topic, but I'd be curious. Also, how much time do top level players put in, of peer practice on a weekly basis or how much time did they have to develop their, to their current level? I'm interested because I feel like I have been directly benefited by learning game with plenty, learning the game with plenty of incredibly talented players around me, resulting in me seeing what was possible and being able to see the specific skill sets that I need to work on. But I've also had to put in solo pole hours to try to achieve the gains I want. Keep up the great stuff, nerds. Jared. I am wow, so proud. questions there. I think... <laughs> I think we're planning and we're going to tease this. We're going to try and get a good player on the podcast, right? To talk about training and developing of skills and stuff. Yeah. But it's a big commitment for sure. The solo pole hours are the only way to get there, but watching videos and playing with other strong players also kind of a shortcut. To... I, I think the other way to get there is to go back to 2007 and just start playing then. That, seem, that seems <laughs> uh, to be where a lot of really good players, uh, that seems to be the tactic they used. Mm, the yes. time machine. Yeah. Yes. This other question you asked is actually really cool though. Like what's more important to, you know, if you're trying to practice and you have like, let's say limited time, um, would you rather practice your bike control or your mallet mallet related skills? Like which is going to make the biggest difference in the wins column? You know what I mean? What do you guys think? So I think that, uh, I think one develops and then the other, I think if you don't have the bike control that will get you the most advantage because you'll be in the right place you may not be able to do the thing you wanted but at least you'll be in the right place at the right time trying to do the thing with your mallet whereas if you have the mallet control but not the bike control you might be able to do the thing when you get there but you're never going to be able to put yourself in the position in a game to do the thing with your mallet so if you have to if you don't have either and you have to develop one i think bike control takes priority but you don't need a bike to practice mallet control so when I lived in an apartment, I used to have a mallet by my desk. And because I work from home, I would just sit there and push the ball back and forth, probably drive my neighbors downstairs crazy, but I would push the ball back and forth and just practice the little touches and ball control um, all the time. And it's a lot easier to get to practice just that little bit. And I think that can go a long way for mallet control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Couldn't agree but, more. But I also think that is an episode worthy discussion. <laughs> it is, yeah. To take it briefly, like mallet control and mallet related skills, especially ball control. I mean, you're only using that when you have the ball and bike control you're using all the time. So I would say bike control is the number one thing to improve on because 
you know, defense, off-ball play, all these things are much more about bike control than they are mallet control because you don't really have to use your mallet that much in those periods of time, right? If you're Gavin's teammate, you don't need to use your mallet at all. Just Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) No one's going to want to play with me after this podcast. (laughs) It's the opposite of the reason why we started this. Anyways, um, yeah, I think bike control is number one, especially when you're beginning. But you know what? there's lots of opportunity to practice mal control because that's all the fun stuff, all the tricks and weird stuff you can do. So keep at that as well. And whatever one you're weaker at, what's your weakness? Practice that. I think always attack your weaknesses in any game or job or skill. What are you bad at? Fix that. You'll be way better. I, I also just want to say, I think it's awesome that both of the emails this week are the two people from the the team that just, or that Jared is referring to that Jared, Jared and Justin uh, and I were the were the team from that fall ball and tournament. So, shout outs to the the team sticking together. Um, what was it called, Jared? What was the name of the team? I actually don't remember our team name from that tournament, and it's bugging me. But Jared bought podium. us. He bought us uh, these camo shirts from Old Navy, and I still wear mine all the time. It's awesome. I actually <laughs> I actually just got a camo saddle for my polo bike. That's going to be a 2021 edition. I remember Whoa. seeing that. Yeah. Wow. I want to look this up on Podium because I'm trying to remember too. Was it? It must have been fall ball and eight. Yeah, I think so. Thank you, John Hayes, for podium. Was it criminal mimes? No. No, it was. Call me Dabby. Call oh, me yeah. Dabby. That's that, sounds right. like, that sounds like a team yeah. I would play on. <laughs> Classic riff on the call me daddy name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, on that note, guys, I think we've done everything we came here to do. So if you're still listening after all of that, thank you so much. We really appreciate your attention. And you know what? If you ever want to hear us talk about something specific or you got a question you want to hear our opinions on or just want to mess with us, really, send us an email to northsidepolopodcast at gmail.com. That's Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to read your email and answer your questions and interact with you. We love that. So uh, send us away. And um On behalf of myself, Alex, and Liam, I just want to remind everyone out there to keep the rubber side down, and we can't wait to see you on the court. Until next time, happy listening. Bye for now. Bye. Love you.